This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Save Eureka, podcast number 11, Invincible. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah. Hello. Ooh. I'm all compression-y and uh, lagged out. Aww. Aww. I know. It's not the same not having you here. I miss hearing the Doctor Who screwdriver go off every now and then. Well, actually, you know. There you go. <laughs> I've got it ready right here I, in my pants. I, I spent the time and figured out where the speaker on this thing was. So Nice. Haley, if you're listening, it's slightly halfway down the base. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Okay, then. <laughs> We're that, talking about Eureka, right? Okay. Is that a third of the way <clears throat> up what? the shaft? <laughs> uh, oh, my. <laughs> It's going to be a punchy episode, huh? Oh, God. You know, I hate... Uh, people listening probably already know I, I teach, and one of the things I teach is humanities, and there is a section where we do Greek, uh, you know, orders of architecture, and, yeah. you know, I hate doing that section because we're, we're talking about the orders and we're looking at these columns, right? And the parts of a column are a base, a shaft, <laughs> and a capital, and then I have to explain how capital comes from, you know, Latin capo, which means head. And I'm like, wah, oh, wah, God, wah. I know. <laughs> like, what? So I really feel for the people who have to teach human sexuality because I get embarrassed teaching, you know, Greek, Greek architecture. Yeah. You're like Peggy Hill, like, ha, penis, ha, penis, <laughs> it's, penis. It's one thing making jokes with your <laughs> friends, but like having to teach something that's formal in a classroom and like you and inside your own head, you're going, Hey, 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 hey and not being that able class, to just, run your eyes up to the shaft. Yeah. Up to the <laughs> and you see this ribbing along the shaft. Those are called it's very flutes. important to focus on the head. Yeah, I All know. The, don't, don't it's neglect true. the shaft. And you have to, you're like, what's the easiest way to identify the capital? It's by looking at the head, you know? And you're, oh God. That's what she said. <laughs> you're like you like get out of class get into your car and go like that's what she said that's what she said that's what she said that's what she said, what she said. <laughs> pretty much oh, oh, oh my god she, <laughs> no she tweets it that's what yeah <laughs> i know thank god for twitter right you need a little app that like you press you just tap the screen and it looks like the screen's locked and it just like tweets that's what she said <laughs> in class <laughs> hashtag in class probably that's figure awesome. that out that's awesome. Yeah, I, I wouldn't lose my job at all over that. <laughs> you have to be in Chuck's field of study to even get away with that. <laughs> it's a social experiment. Shut up. That's right. It's an art project. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's but uh, so so we had Artie show up this week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one uh, when we were watching this together, I remember you had said something about like. At least I think you said it, and not Chuck. Um, something about oh, you know, we remember seeing him on Stargate, and then you know, I wonder like if this, if they cast him in Warehouse. Oh, what was Chuck? If they cast Artie in Warehouse Thirteen based on his appearance in Eureka? Oh, did you look it up? Well, I looked up the timing of these things on IMDb, and I, I don't right. know for sure. I couldn't find anything, but I didn't really look that hard because I'm lazy. <laughs> but there was like a several year difference. I mean. 
there was like three years difference between his appearance on Eureka and then getting cast in Warehouse 13. So Right, but still you make a relationship with a certain director or something like that and it could lead to that. So Well, it's true it and they be, are kind of sister shows. Yeah. Yeah. So you think it was or wasn't? Well, I, I mean think they, I don't know. I think they probably discovered him through the show and then when they were doing casting they're like, well, "Let's give Saul a call. See if he wants to do it." Oh, you know, um have you looked at his bio? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. No, no. He is like such an interesting guy. Um, Saul Rubinek was actually born in Germany in a refugee camp, and wow. his parents were Holocaust survivors. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, and um, his parents, if I remember right, they were running some kind of like theater company or something. And then, you know, he went to school in um, a couple of different places, and including the U.S. And um, But I was just like, oh, my God, you know, I mean. It, he's like 63 years old i think an interesting guy yeah but it reminds you that that stuff isn't that long ago that's not so removed oh, yeah. you know right but but yeah and i mean i remember him from that episode of uh stargate where he comes in as the filmmaker and he kind of just steals the show oh right yeah i forgot about that yeah oh yeah what what episode you don't know you don't remember? Do I don't you? remember the name. I'll have to look it up. It's in SG one. Um, yeah, it's the one where you thought he was going to be a dick, and then he turns out right. to he. Well, he kind of was, but then he really did a great job. Yeah, he comes in with the crew, and they're supposed to be making a documentary about what life is like for SG one, and everyone's really kind of uh, wary, you know, because there are these film people coming in, and they're just like sticking their cameras and everything, and they're worried about security and. Oh, it was uh, Heroes Parts 1 and 2. Nice. And I actually forgot, he also played Donnie Douglas on Frasier. <laughs> yes. That's he was right. Daphne Moon's fiance no. and Niles' divorce lawyer. Ah, that's awesome. <laughs> I forgot about that. That is awesome. Well, he has good taste. Oh, yeah. <laughs> First Daphne Moon, then the everybody. bionic woman. <laughs> he also had a cameo as a casino pit boss in the movie Rush Hour 2. Well, that's worth knowing. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Probably uh, maybe a less prominent role. I, I don't know. Not a career highlight. Rush Hour 2. Oh, my God. <laughs> dump trucks. Dump trucks full of cat. Probably not. Probably dump trucks. Dump trucks full of quarters. <laughs> then movie I haven't seen. Two. Yeah. <laughs> you use the food truck, right? That's, that's all I need. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, he was great in this episode. I mean, it was really fun to see him, and and he he does a great job of playing that kind of weird guy. You know what I love about his performance is that he gives such a humanity to whatever character he's playing. You know, like the guy in Stargate who looks like he's going to be a jerk turns out to be very human, and and you really kind of connect with him. Right. And the uh, and Carl Carlson. Is this what a dumb annoying. name? Sorry, Carl Carlson. And he's annoying, and it's he meant knows to be, it. I know, but yeah, yeah. But, but like he it's gets a, on everyone's it's nerves. The writing's and... at the level of the musical direction at this point. I guess <laughs> it's just funny, and it makes sense. You're right. I mean, what makes it interesting? I, I think this is what you're saying, and I I hadn't thought about this, but the difference between just being annoying and being annoying and knowing you're annoying. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, he has this kind of complexity, this kind of human complexity yeah. in the character that I really like. And I, I think that that, at least in part, comes from the actor. Yeah, not everybody you know, he, can pull that off. You know, he also played Kivas Fajo in Star Trek The Next Generation. 
Who was that? I remember that. That was the guy in the episode The Most Toys who steals data and puts uh-huh. him in a museum. The collector. Oh, oh that's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> this guy is serious I sci-fi cred. He does. He really does. <laughs> hey, was oh, that God. was that SG one episode Heroes Part One and Two? Was that the one also where you have those like two or three guys who are kind of putzes, but they kind of, you know, it's sort of like the lower decks episode. Well, I, no, well. it's not. It's, I, oh, okay. I was thinking of. I, I, no, no, no. That's a different one. I know which one you're talking about, but that's... There was a big thing, and I don't want to be a dick and spoil it in case somebody hasn't seen it. There is a big thing that happens in that episode. A really crappy big thing. Oh, I remember. But I'll I'll leave it alone. At the end of the second Mm -hmm. one, right? Yeah. You know, I depressed myself out when I was... uh, um, I I was uh, helping... uh, Chuck and Audra reprogram uh, you guys. I was helping reprogram your remote in in your theater room, and I needed to throw on an episode of something to test out. Oh the no! Wait, wait, wait. Let I me throw- guess. Let me let me guess. Was it was it Luck of the Fryrish by Future on Futurama? No, okay. it was the Stargate episode. I was going to guess like a whole bunch of really funny sad things. It, no, <laughs> just go it ahead and tell a, us. It was the SD one episode where uh, Daniel dies. Which time? Wow. <laughs> Where he ascends. And I'm like, Aww. why did I throw this on? And I'm like, I'm, I'm too busy to change it. Well, the good, it. the good news is, is that by the time you or we saw that episode, you knew he was coming back and you knew that he yeah. was actually cooler when he comes back. So, yeah, but I'm still like, man, this is a hard episode to watch. Yeah, being dead really did you get some good, Daniel. It did, I'm telling you. That dude just needed to die, and then he was cool. You know what I like? When Daniel comes back, like he kind of loses the, the floppy hair, like the Egon of the cartoon hair. Right. And he loses the big glasses, and he gets that little stubble, and he's like all hot and stuff, and he starts Actually, acting cool. Actually, that dude packed on, I don't know how much muscle. Oh, probably like 20 pounds. A I bunch. Mean, I mean, he's he's like a he's big dude after. Well, he's not a big <laughs> That's dude. That's what, no, I mean, but he's, he's, but he's yeah, solid, he's, yeah. He, he goes from being kind of in shape to being like extremely muscular. Yeah, and that was awesome. And, yeah. and he shows up in a couple other cameos later, but yeah, it was funny because uh, that, that was it one season where we get Jonas... Yes, I liked Jonas, and you mean Daniel and you see him in yes, that and episode I was gonna say, too. And Chuck would not call him anything except Daniel replacement. <laughs> Daniel Light, Daniel replacement. That's what he is. He was Daniel replacement. He kind of was, and but was I mean, okay. he's a good character in his in himself. But yeah, uh, and he, you know, and you could tell that there was this kind of pending thing but, where everyone but knew. But still, Michael you Shanks you miss the uh, the. Uh, the casualness between O'Neill and Jackson, like when uh, Jackson's about to ascend, he pulls O'Neill out of the universe for a moment and talks to him. Yeah. And O'Neill kind of just looks over at him. is like, Daniel. Yeah. I remember that. You need something. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, he's, he's just completely cool with it. He's well, like, hey, and, and what do you need? Buddy? <laughs> and when he talks to him again <laughs> Daniel, in that episode, buddy. you remember the, 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 the famous, uh, what, like bocce. Yeah, <laughs> that that's one. right. That like horrible <laughs> exactly. one where Jack is like tortured in in Ball's prison, and and Daniel yeah. comes and sees him, and and like brings him visions of himself oh, so that he right, can right, right. like gain the strength. That that's see, it's cool, good to be ascended. Well, it's good to know people who you know, are ascended. Now that I think about it, well, every Daniel. and I'm sorry, this is like way off topic, but every every decks. like series of star trek that i can think of has at least one episode where someone is tortured and has to kind of make it through like there's the one where picard like 
how many lights are there? You know that one. Ah, four lights. And then there's one of my favorite episodes of Deep Space Nine, where uh, Worf and Garrick and Bashir, who'd been there longer than anyone else, are on that prison colony on that comet and forced to fight Jem'Hadar. Right, right, or right. Worf is forced to fight. Yeah, Jem'Hadar. that one was pretty good. And and uh, what's his name? Um, Martok. Mar- Martok, like. You know, he's, been, he's been there like two years. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, because Martok and Bashir had been replaced by changelings. But anyway, right. yeah. But it's like you have all these episodes where people are going through these, like, essentially torture things. And Eureka is a little bit light for that. You don't, you don't really, <laughs> which is good. I mean, it's what it is. It's meant, you don't really get the torture episode in Eureka. We see Jack not... being tortured by, you know, like not getting his beer and cereal or something. I, I, oh, I, come I, on, Sarah. I, <laughs> I have beer, to admit, really? I, I like beer. I love the, you know, he has a great life with the house. You got to admit, I mean, I want my house to like, you know, record the game for me while I don't watch that. But, you know, get beer for me, but I don't really drink beer either. But, you know, get fake ice cream for me and like, you know, record cool TV shows. You know what really stood out to me in this one, though, is how many times Allison was like demeaning towards Sarah. Just I like, noticed that's that. Creepy. No, that's creepy. That's just totally... creepy. I, can I just point out how creepy this well, is? It, it's like, it, shut up. We know it. The house has a voice. Actually, I totally noticed actually, that too. Actually, it is creepy because it's freaking, uh, it's still, Fargo's, it's girl still voice. Fargo's girl voice. And it is, it always is, but it, it just, I it, don't know. He's, they he, weren't used to it as well, a character. Well, no, I think he yet. tries less to be less creepy when he talks later. You know what I mean? Like it, early it on. More, it's more uh, Fargo skeeviness than house <laughs> talking disturbingness. Yeah, early on. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Like maybe that, and the it, fact maybe that skeeving her out on a subconscious level because she knows Fargo so well, she can't well, like, shake that. That, and I think it's kind of creepy that that Sarah's watching them all the time, and I think that creeps her out a little bit, and that would creep me out a little bit too. And in fact, the reminder. Plug those together, and you also get the reminder. The Fargo is kind of maintaining Sarah, and Sarah is monitoring everything, which means that Fargo's monitoring everything, and that's creepy. Yeah, it's I, like me with your server. <laughs> if it had cameras in every room of the house that it watched twenty four seven. Yes, if. What's the dude in uh, in Tron again? Who's like the? Which one? He's like the computer. Remember? MCP. Tron. You mean the MCP in the original? Yeah. Yeah. What's his name? Well, there's there's Sark, but Sark isn't. No, not Sark. The other one. I, I don't know who you're talking Tron. about. Tron. Um, is he the bald well, guy that wears the visor and is always like, you know? Oh, lagging? you're talking about in Legacy. I don't remember that guy's name. Yeah, but I know who you're talking about. Oh, the intelligence officer guy yeah. with the with the plastic. Yeah. The annoying guy. Plate. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. No, no, it's cool. <laughs> what about him? But he's just skeevy? Uh, he nah, skeevy. I forgot. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I just want to mention him. <laughs> no, I mean, well. I'll, I'll give you I'll a hint. It. Not that. <laughs> 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 but, you know, for what it's worth, I noticed Allison kind of doing that, too. And I, I think you're right. Like, back when I saw this the first time, I remember thinking, eh, that is kind of creepy. So I wasn't as, like, put out by it as this time. Now I was you're like, like, how Sarah's could cool. you? you? Well, bitch, now you know who Sarah, Sarah yeah. is, right? <laughs> <laughs> Get away from her. <laughs> <laughs> I like how uh, they had Allison sleep over. And not just sleep over, like, 
curled she up. She literally sort of on the bed. slept over. No, no, I mean not not just like sleepover, kind of like casually, like curled up on the bed. But you get that shot um, of them like lying on their back side by side next to each other. Like you only see that. That's like a postcoital shot, and <laughs> it is. You know that it, it's always that way, like in movies and stuff. And you know that they did it that way to Coitus? kind of <laughs> to make that suggestion. So. Sky rockets in flight, hermetically sealed delight. <laughs> I always, I yeah. Ever. <laughs> anyway, I just fire. love that we get to see uh, Carter like briefly with his shirt off as she wraps up his ribs. <laughs> He's got the greatest <laughs> stomach. Holy crap! You can eat off that stomach. I know. It was awesome. Yeah, I. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I have to admit the uh the invincibility thing was pretty entertaining. I uh, I love when when Carter's explaining it to Henry and he's like, "So, hypothetically, just hypothetically <laughs> yeah. If if somebody were to fall, I don't know, say, you know, 50 meters and land on someone else, you know, or and and then someone else was to land on them. 50 feet, I think it was, right? No, it was meters. Are you sure? Yeah, it was meters. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. 50 feet would have been a lot shorter than that. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like uh would that person survive? And he's like, are you that person? He's like, no. I, I, that I fell on that person. I fell on that person. <laughs> no, I landed on that hypothetical person. <laughs> it's like, thanks for that clarification, because that's way different. You know, I always wondered, like, when we see Carlson in Henry's shop, and he goes to that, like, uh, skanky kind of sink, that, that sink, and, you know, he's, like, nervous in about... a shop sink? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, the what, sh- that's what shop like the, sinks the, looks like. The sink like. in my shop is so clean. Yeah, I mean, that's it's what just, they are, but but it's like he, he looks at his reflection and you see that like gaping wound on his head and it closes up. Does anyone else ever think when that happens in TV, where does the blood go? Like the, the well, crusty the, crap part, that's part on Part of that. it was open an open flesh wound, but you could see that the, the blood that had dribbled out of the wound was still on his forehead. Oh, okay. Though I gotta tell like you, it, was clean. It, it would already have been healed because a head wound. I mean, I don't know if you ever had one of any kind. Holy crap, they bleed. Well, maybe maybe okay, it but had mostly I actually had a theory already. about that. Is that that one might have taken longer to heal because maybe you know this was his mind doing it. So who knows? Maybe maybe it took longer because he had a little bit of brain damage. Well, all I know is that yeah. In Chuck which and I case, just looked at each other like, wow, it would have been theory. gushing <laughs> because. You have so many blood vessels in your head like that. I mean, when I was a kid, I fell and I like hit my head on a table and it made, there was a, a little like, I don't know, a wound that was less than a millimeter, like across, right? Right. I mean, it was tiny. It took, it took exactly two stitches to stitch up when they stitched it, right? I mean, yep. literally it's a millimeter and it bled like I don't. I was gonna die. It was scary because it didn't really hurt that much, you know. Yeah, but, but, but like, it was just a bleeder. Yeah. Yeah. By the time I got to the hospital to have them do something about it, like it took probably fifteen or twenty minutes. Wow. The shirt I was wearing was soaked in blood. Wait, weren't you holding anything on your head, like yes. for pressure? Wow! Just, Holy crap! It soaked through and keep running. Ah. Right? Yeah, just it was blood everywhere. Oh and I mean, my god! And you so, know you got. You got to think that if he did injure himself that many times, he's either got to have like a ridiculously fast metabolism to make up for it, which yeah, means no he should be like downing cheeseburgers as fast it as it should he be can. like in that Stargate episode where, you know, they <laughs> wear the fast, you know, and they eat all the time. Yeah. Mm. So nobody remembers that. I'll just shut up now. What? I don't, 
You know the one where they're uh, they they're wearing the armband and they get they they all uh, you know can do things really fast, but they need to eat a lot. So no, I don't remember that. Oh right, yes, oh, yes, I remember what? that. I still haven't seen almost all of season one and two. This was I, later on, I think. Really, I think this. I can't remember when it was. It was in the middle somewhere. It yeah. wasn't oh, later wow. seasons. But, I did yeah, it doesn't later. like Cart- Carter's one of the one do it do it. Right? <laughs> She's yeah. like zipping around. She's like, I know how to do this. Bing, done. Totally, yeah. She's mad because the keyboard buffer won't hold enough of what she's writing. Yes, yes, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, she's like, that's you after I've, like I've a written my of paper. Coffee. I'm waiting for the computer to catch up. Yeah. yeah, she like sits and watches it. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It should be. I mean, those were things I noticed. I mean, like I'll admit, I thought if you can see a wound in your head, because I mean, you couldn't even see mine in it, boy, I like hell. Yeah. I mean, if you could see the wound, it my, should be like spurting like... My hypothesis like, is that it was like 98% healed. Yeah, that's that got to be. The only right. bit that was left was like the skin on the outside. It was healed and there was some blood left it over. It was waiting from, for dramatic effect. Yes. That's right. Right. I like that. It's like I'm not going to close up. I I'm waiting for a commercial. Right I'm with Juan though. I mean, they, he should if if he's healing that often that much, that energy's got to come from somewhere. He should have been eating. But like then mad. again, the uh, another logic path would be that because he's interfaced with the artifact, is that he could be getting the his, energy his from power there. from there. Yeah. So hey, it, what are the chances that that's what he was doing? Because you know we see him at uh, at Cafe Diem, right? He shows up, or did we see him walk in? We saw him walk in, didn't we? Because he shows up at Cafe Diem, you know, so that he can like he can like suck face with. Uh, with okay, Beverly. Audra, a sidebar here. I have Skeeverly. to get on board with your. Why doesn't anybody realize that Beverly is a complete hoe bag and skeevy <laughs> and evil platform? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I was sitting Yay! through this episode and I I'm like, theory. I was like, why doesn't anybody get this? Audra's so right. I have a theory. Yay, one's on okay. my side. She's everybody's therapist, and everybody has a blind spot for their therapist. If you saw your therapist like out in public somewhere, would you like strike up a conversation and be like, hey, or would you kind of have a blind spot for that person? Maybe if it was Cal Penn. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm, that's a how I met your mother reference. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. awesome. But no, Give I'm, me a second. but I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, so she's everybody's therapist in town. So I think she's just invisible. Everybody just is like, no, 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 no. They don't see her at all. Maybe, it, it, but it has Carter... to be a pretty good, um, that, that's probably one of the better positions too, because you know, it's her job to analyze everyone else and, and nobody analyzes her would be able to turn it around. Yeah. Okay. That I can see how that would make sense, but you know, when, um, when, uh, Carlson is kissing her and everyone's like, uh, oh man, I've been waiting to do that forever. And, and like even, um, oh, yeah, Spencer's, like, Spencer's even like, I've thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that was um, funny. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. I know that was so funny. It it was funny, but it, yeah, it wasn't exactly plausible. No, not on many levels. <laughs> but I would think that Carter would notice something w- was kind of off because, you know, he hasn't talked to Beverly. Right. But, you know, Carter's still trying to figure everyone out. So I'm I'm still going to I'm still going to debate that his he's just hasn't had the time to figure it out yet. I think Carter knows that Beverly's a hoe bag. He just doesn't know she's evil because she's a hoe bag. Like in the pilot episode, remember he stays there and he's got that like that blue button down shirt and he's getting ready in the morning. Well, that's what I remember. So he's not figuring uh, her out because of hoe bag avoidance. Uh, well, because remember she asks him about. She's like, I took all your clothes. 
Yeah, she asked him about so, his to, sex to life with his ex-wife and everything. Oh my, I hope hey, that What? <laughs> Where are my pants over there? Oh my, hope yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she is. Well, but, you know, I don't know. I've seen people oh, under there before. <laughs> she sort of does have a position in the town that is designed probably by her own doing to be somewhat invisible. People aren't going to question her very closely. And she can yeah. she can ask a lot of questions, but, but people won't ask her a lot of questions. It's you a know, good place to be. I did think of her. something else in that episode. They mentioned that she had been talking to Carlson for like six years. Yeah, she'd been setting up the whole... Yeah, and that occurred to me also that maybe that's part of her game is that she she plays the long game. Like well, Beverly yeah. don't yeah. mess around. Like if she wants to do evil stuff, she'll get in it for six, ten, twenty... 50 years, you know? 50, actually. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. With her dad and everything, she yeah. just spent her whole life on some scam. Yeah. You know? That's a tough one. Yeah. Well, it's a little sidebar there as well. It's like, you know, if Carl's ascending or whatever, and turn, or, you know, whatever happens at the end of that and he disappears, you think he could have at least, you know, turned to Stark and go, oh, by the way, uh, Beverly, she's hiding a whole ton of stuff. You might want to look into that. Yeah, it was almost like the the transcendence or whatever it was made him rise above all of those kind of like like see them as trivialities and it wasn't of interest yeah. to him anymore. Yeah, Not like in a condescending way, but just like it was almost like he wasn't earthly anymore. And all those things are just earthly matters. He was like on to other things, you know. And you got a little bit of a vulnerable moment out of Stark there when he just kind of breaks down and goes, Carl, what is this? And he, you could tell that, like, this is his primary passion at this point. And, yeah. And he's just so jealous of Carl because Carl didn't even try, and he's more connected to this thing than Stark's ever going to be. Yeah, that was kind of scary in that scene where uh, Carlson is starting to read their thoughts and... You know, he's, you know, like he kind of reads Stark's mind and is like, oh, you want to know what this is, don't you? And and then he can tell that Beverly's lying. Like, that is totally creepy. I think the music, I, I think, contributed to that. But that is super scary to think that someone, you know, because we have those little thoughts all the time, like little fleeting thoughts that we reject or, you know, options that we think about what to do. And then we decide on one. But if people could see all of that, you know, that would be... Yeah. That would be pretty intimidating to live in a world like that. <laughs> in a world where everybody knows what you're thinking. That would suck. I don't want to know what everybody's thinking. You just get drowned out by the overall, you know, mass of people going, boops, boops, boop, 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 boops. <laughs> but uh, I, I, actually what was cool about Stark as well is that once he realizes that, uh, that um, Carl can read his mind and and knows about the artifact. He's just like, he doesn't get, you know, standoffish or anything. He's like, okay, well, he knows now. Let's go put him to work. <laughs> and takes him right down Yeah, to that's it. actually kind of slick. I'm telling he's like, you, he actually... He's, not, he's never petty about any of this, right? He's just, you know, okay, well, let's, let's move on from here. He actually is kind of... I mean, he, he's it's, actually a good... It's kind of cool. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> he's a good leader for... for you know, for GD. I mean, it's it's awesome to see someone in that position. He may be a little arrogant, but when it comes down to it, he can, like, find a way through, you know? Yeah. 
You know, it's interesting when you said he's not petty. I think that that's, I think that's true of him most of the time. Like, like he suspects that Carter and Allison have something going on and he like jabs at him a little or, you know, kind of, especially in this one. (laughs) Well, he, he pokes at Carter about it and makes him uncomfortable, but you can tell that he isn't petty. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. He's, he's just playing. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting though. I hadn't thought about that before because I think petty is something that usually does go along with sort yeah, of a dickish if, character. But if this were the kind of typical drama plot, he would you know lock Carl away and try to solve it himself, and then at the last second, you know, let him out and tell him everything. And this, he just drops all of that. He's just like, okay, well, I'm going to take you down to section five because you obviously know about it at this point, and uh, let's figure it out can't believe I'm admitting this, but Nathan Stark is much of a kind of a dick as he can be. And, and it does bother me the way he talks to Allison sometimes. He is kind of terminally cool. I am glad to see you guys <laughs> coming around. <laughs> Speaking of, we have a call about that. Sweet. Cool. Hi, guys. This is Tix Panther calling in from the UK. I'm just chipping in on what you've been saying about the character of Nathan Stark in recent episodes. Um, yeah, one of the things I really like about him is that he is not a nice, friendly character. He does act like a dick, but he's not a bad guy. And I agree with that, and I really, really like that. Because you can tell he does not like Jack Carter, the person. He has a professional respect for Sheriff Carter. He doesn't let the former get in the way of the latter... But also, the latter doesn't necessarily affect the former, because in, you know, in so many shows and books and stuff, you know, you'll have a character like this or characters like this, and they'll bicker, and suddenly they realise you've got to get on professionally, and they suddenly become friends. Or you've got someone who really doesn't like a person and will then just, you know, screw up the situation just to get back at them. What I like about Stark is that he doesn't like Jack, but he doesn't let that get in the way of, um, you know, of resolving an issue, as we see in future episodes. It doesn't even stop him taking advice or ideas from Jack, because he knows that whether he likes him or not, you know, he, Jack's the sheriff, and he's good at his job. And I, I just like that because, you know, so often you just see people who are antagonistic and let it get in the way of doing what needs doing. And He's a character who just goes, well, I don't like you, but I'm going to work with you because that's what's needed. Yeah, you know, this. I think that was really clear, uh, you know, last episode, a couple episodes ago when he comes to Jack when he's seeing things, you know, and he's like, look, this is what I'm seeing. This is the way it is, you know, and he, he just trusts him to do his job. Yeah, he, he, uh, he holds the professionalism well above his own emotional interest. Yeah, that was the word that occurred to me too. Is that he's just a consummate professional. And and Tix yeah. Panther, that's a, I'm really glad you called in. Thank you. Yeah, um, and that's a, another kind of illustration, I think, of how not petty he is. But yeah, it's true. Like he doesn't like Carter, but but like yeah, it's almost like you would say that he's professional to a fault, but that fault never occurs. He's actually he's got that that exact balance of you know he's doing his job the best that he can and and completely um, segregating his emotions from it. Yeah, and I think maybe that's part of what makes him kind of cool. And not, not just cool in the, like, awesome way, but cool in the, like, cool as a cucumber kind of way, too. 
You know what I mean? Right. It's like, like he's very uh, level-headed. Yeah, he, he's he's not the kind of boss that's like, oh, will you show an interest in Carter? Well, Allison, you're going to be scrubbing toilets now. <laughs> it's like he he's not that kind of guy. He's not going to take it out on people um, just because he has a personal problem with them. Well, he'll be verbally. I think he'll he'll take it out on them a little bit. Like right, but it's it's not to a point of uh, right. That it affects the working relationship, I don't think. I actually uh, think he's probably the most realistic, like leader of of general of G of GD. That uh, I always want to call it General Dynamics because that's what it's obviously patterned after, right? What is what is that? It's the company that makes. Uh, well, they make the F sixteen, for example. Oh, I didn't that realize. sort of thing. No, but I mean, he he seems like the most. Uh, the most realistic like and believable. Knowledge? Am I the only one that didn't know that? I didn't know it. Okay. I just mm-hmm, <laughs> to try to okay. feel smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chuck, the way you said it, you're like, well, yeah. You know, well, I mean, like, I thought. Doesn't everybody who's gotten to space camp multiple times know that? <laughs> it's like Northrop Lockheed General Dynamics. See, those, those sound, okay. Like, I never heard of General Dynamic. That's awesome, though. I always thought it was a cool. Bro. I always thought it was a cool name because it was like to me. It was sort of like, uh, you know, it's like Stark Industries, like from Iron Man. You know, it's like it's one of those names that just sounds like a fictional Stark. Stark. You know? uh-huh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's yeah. not a. Uh, yeah, but you know, it just. Anyway, I think that uh, I think that Nathan Stark is probably uh, the most realistic leader of GD that we see. You know, everybody else sort of like. They, they put in the role and they, they do okay in it, but you wonder how they would ever have gotten there if it, if it wasn't for, for some odd happening. You know, whereas you could see him actually finding his way into that role straight up, you know, because yeah. he's the kind of guy who can deal with all these unusual scientists. He has a background himself that's as good as, as the best of them, you know. He can deal with the political side of it. He can deal with the human resources side of it. All the stuff that other people you just know couldn't, you know? And he's the kind of guy that can wear a suit and never get a wrinkle in it and stay up all night at his desk working without getting remotely fatigued and never without even, needing to eat or regel his and hair. And never even be within oh, sight of a gym. Oh, is it 6 a.m. already? I better <laughs> yeah. scrape off some more sweat and, and never really <laughs> be within sight of a gym and still manage to look like he's in there six hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> And his hair is always just perfectly gelled. always on your way to the gym? Yeah. <laughs> From Community. No. Yeah. He's the perpetually with, uh, there. With Anthony yeah. Michael Hall, right? Yeah. That's awesome. That was, that was... And his beard. That was creepy, by the way. I was like, does he have a beard trimmer like in his desk drawer? Because it's always perfect. He looks like a Just <laughs> for Men. I was like, that like the... is the best beard ever. I know. It, it looks like what, like those old Norelco commercials or whatever, where the guy would have like the, just the perfect trim, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, every, usually... every time every time he's not uh, being seen by anybody he like whips up in his desk drawer like, <laughs> he's down doing push-ups on the floor right? yeah, on the yeah. desk. <laughs> I'm not usually like all about beards you know like full beards <laughs> I like scruff a lot like Carter scruff I love but I would grow it it's just itchy oh, I love it, it when you scruff. I do, yeah I'm sure it is but it's awesome <laughs> I just love it when you do it. I don't expect you to do it because I know it itches, you know. I'm just like, do it. Do it now. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry. (laughs) 
Oh man. Yeah, but uh, you know the other thing is that we you can already start to feel and this is really early in in Eureka, you know. Mm-hmm. But you can already start to feel sort of um some bigger stories coming together, you know? Like we're already starting to see some tension build and and you know and and of course the artifact is a big deal and we haven't even really seen where the artifact's going yet. I want to call it like the crystalline entity or something. <laughs> it's really freaky. And I, it just keeps reminding me that we never really do find out what the hell is going on. With oh, it. Go, you know, at the start of season two, it goes all dark and wormy, but I don't know what happens. Oh, that. that's right. It turns into like the slurm queen. <laughs> if the slurm queen was fossilized. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's fossilized slurm queen. Yeah, I mean, we just never really do get to, and then things things change so severely that that it's just not important. Well, I, I think when Stark ba- basically, I'll I'll just leave it at this: when Stark leaves the show, when his character yeah. is no longer on the show for a while, I, I think that it kind of goes with him. You ever get the feeling that uh, there are a lot of things like that at GD, like a lot of things that just sort of happen, and nobody ever really figures out exactly how everything's going. You know how it's working, or well, what you do it is. that much. You do that much experimental uh, science, and uh, some some stuff's bound to go weird. You're bound to find some weird crap. It's I like, would... well, that lit on fire. Um, we'll redact this guy and move on. Okay, sounds Ooh, good. Yeah, that was weird. That redaction. Yeah, process. this was the introduction of it too. I think wasn't it? <laughs> doesn't Allison? Yeah, I love the Allison have like two crates of paper. That was awesome. Yeah, when he's like, there's a form, and yeah, there's a form. Not only is there a form, but apparently it requires its own little carrying cart. Wow. <laughs> it's, the, it's the form whatever cart. Yeah. There's a requisition form for the form we whatever cart. We went through four cart. toner drums printing this thing out. You know what was <laughs> weird is that, you know, for all these years, he's been seeing Beverly for therapy, apparently. And, uh, and then he has this traumatic change. And they redact him. They kick him out of his house. And all this stuff happens within a couple of days. And Beverly, who's supposed to be helping him, is not returning his calls. And no one seems to notice that this guy, who's been mentally unstable for a really long time, that his therapist is no longer contacting him. They don't set him up with a new therapist or anything. Like, he's well, in, he's in we trouble, don't know that. you know? We don't know that. Oh, that's right. true. I guess and, they and might it, And remember, up. she's not his therapist. She's the GD therapist. Right. So once she's no <laughs> she's longer... everybody's an, he, therapist. Exactly. And once he's no longer an employee, actually, they said that. It's like, she's you know, it's like... She's the GDB. GD therapist. She's a GDT. <laughs> I thought mine was better. I don't care. <laughs> you mean bigger. <laughs> but you know, you know, I always, I, I, I thought that when we were watching it, I thought that it was because he was being redacted that, that she just, yeah. his yeah. health plan was cut off essentially. I guess it, it just seems yeah. kind of <laughs> messed up. Once the benefits up, you know? run out, I mean, you're not getting your free health care anymore, right? It just seems kind of messed up that like, this is the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to him. And, and now he's without anyone to help like at this most horrible moment where you know what i mean like they take away everything and maybe there's the other calls to his other like like his dentist he's like i was gonna get a bridge put in it's like sorry you've been redacted can't do anything about it now they come and like yank the filling out of his mouth (laughs) that's not paid for what happens when you don't use your benefits before they're gone (laughs) these do not roll over (laughs) 
What about my what about my glasses credit? Do I still get that? Like, no. no that always sucks anyway. Vision insurance is always totally bogus. I it's know. like There's no it covers thing. nothing. You it, know? I know. There. I know, totally. Two hundred bucks every two years to get new glasses, so yeah, that's awesome. My glasses cost like, I don't know, 430 bucks or something. That's the thing. See, so you end up paying in all this time and then you go in they're like, "Yeah, it's half price." What do you mean half price? <laughs> Screw that. <I'm... laughs> anyway. Half price from that arbitrary price we set before that. That's right. Probably about twice as much as they're worth. You funny that? Go figure. It's oh. half of double price just for you. Yeah. <laughs> Who made the Canada joke? It was in something the other Buy day. Buy one for twice the price and get the second one free. What was that in? It was like, uh, what is this, Canada? Or, um, oh, I know what you're talking about. What, it was while you were down there. It was here. House, wasn't it? It yes, was House. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. it. That was great. That was awesome. Yeah, that, laugh. that was a good one. Well, guys, probably about time to wrap up. Uh, Audrey, got anything to add here? Ooh, um see no i don't think anything like super special just i i enjoyed this episode i, I i'm a big fan of saul rubinek and i'm really glad that someone you know whether it was the people at eureka or whoever picked him up for warehouse 13 because i mean yes he's, he's kind of crotchety and perfect and 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 just yeah he's perfect for warehouse 13 but yeah, he is he like Artie is kind of a mysterious character and i think that I don't know Saul Rubinek as a person, obviously, but I think that with a kind of history like he has, you know, I bet that he plays that kind of quiet, like I've got a lot that I know about and a lot that I've been through, but I don't really say much about it. I think that he conveys that really well. You know how we were talking about how Stark was like, I I was saying I thought Stark was, you know, the most realistic GD leader. Yeah. Yeah. Artie is the most realistic Warehouse 13 leader because if you think about it, who else could like could deal with the oddities of of that kind of situation as well as the kind of people that he would have to deal with to deal with those as well as the group of people that actually run it and and the government people he would have to deal with. I mean, nobody, I I can't, you'd have to be a really unusual person to do that. Yeah. He's sort of a bridging person. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. He's like flexible and resilient. He can sit, you know, he can sit in the middle of all these unusual groups of people and somehow communicate with all of them and work with them successfully, you know? Cause like if you took a guy like Stark and put him in charge of whereas 13, it'd be a, it'd be a, a, a mess. And and if you took a guy like Artie and put him in charge of Eureka, it would be a mess. Well, I think part of that's because at GD, you have to have ultimate control of everything and focus to keep track of what's going on because stuff is dangerous. At the warehouse, stuff is dangerous, but the only way to control it is to accept that you can't control it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's just the right guy. You have to just do your best. And I think Artie is the kind of character who can exert just the right amount of control and acceptance that that he can't take care of everything you know and it's even cooler that they're in the same universe essentially the shows are in the same universe so so literally they both exist in the same world and that that's kind of odd that just i just had a the weird uh you know they're in the same universe and he played another character on the other show (laughs) maybe he reincarnated as yeah that's it (laughs) (laughs) that's it i like that i like that a lot one 
I only got one thing to say. Well, she is GD's therapist and a bitch, and nobody seems to realize it, but does she skeeve around? <laughs> oh, yeah, she skeeves around. She's doing the skeeve around. Everybody do the skeeve around. <laughs> She's a GDB. <laughs> Yeah, she's pretty skeevy. Well, I am looking forward to a new episode next week. It's nice to be... Uh, a new... Uh, uh, yeah, a new old episode. New old episode. It's new fun. F- yeah. An yeah. old episode. And don't new forget, old. as you go out and you buy your Halloween noms... Very outro. Yeah. <laughs> as you buy your Halloween noms, don't forget... Oh, yeah. Hershey is a sponsor nice. of Eureka. And, you know... If you get yourself some Hershey candy, just uh, send them a little message. Send them an email. Let them know that you love Eureka. Thank them for their support. All that good stuff. I know I did. See you next week. <laughs> From everyone here at Save Eureka and GWC, thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch Eureka or other fun shows with some of the friendliest people in geekdom, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have something to add to the show, give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. Financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.